Welcome to Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of R2-D2, the show of bourbon again, the show of mezcal again, and today's guest is Hank Cathy, the to some a curmudgeon, to some an intellectual, to some an outspoken son of a bitch, but to me Hank is an amazingly interesting guy who loves bourbon, loves whiskey in general, and loves mezcal. I consider him somebody that's taught me a lot. I always look up to him when I have my bourbon questions that need answering. And Hank's pure love, outside of the industry, mind you, his pure love of spirits in general has got him a great gig with Whistlepig here in Austin. So let's all sit back with a nice glass of bourbon and listen to this great chat with Hank Cathy. Capital of the state, Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh. How is Raleigh growing up? You know, Raleigh is a city I I know very little about. It's not the part of the state I grew up in. Yeah. And I I visited it so you only moved like pretty once quick or twice after yeah. you were born. Where'd you move after that? Um, I believe Gastonia, mm-hmm. and then I grew up in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. That's where you remember. That's right. Is that high school days? Mm, well, yeah, from the time I was four or five until. Till yeah, you till the end of high school. Yeah. What's it, what is what's it like socially going to high school there? It's a big big was, mix bag. Yeah, it was not great. No, it was not, not? great. Was, um, well, I mean, keep in mind, high well, you school know, is not great for a lot of people. That, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the thing. I'm not. I'm not saying it was unusually not great for yeah. me, but it was not great. Um, yeah, small town. Small town. My my mom says about me that I was born with the bit in my mouth. <laughs> uh, that. That she always knew I was going to move somewhere. Like you just had the, the, <laughs> yeah, the jet setter. I had the wanderlust. Yeah, know? the wanderlust. Um, and so, oh, that just that town always seems so small Stifling. to me. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? What kind of guy were you? An academic erudite type? Were you a music guy? Uh, I, drama? Um, I w- I was in the band, and that was symphony one, or one jazz of the, band. We, Which didn't, is, we only had one band. Okay. Uh, well, we had mar- during football season, we had marching band. Right. But that was just still the whole band. Got, okay. Um, but I was fortunate in that the band program where I went to school in this little town mm-hmm. just happened to have a really great band program. We always oh, won cool. top top honors in competitions. And yeah. Oh, great. And so that's really what. So so most of the time was spent learning symphonic transcriptions of these big pieces. Right, you know? right. What did you play? Uh, I, I played I, saxophone. Which one? I'm an alto. Are you a... I played all of them. Did you? What's your favorite? Barry gets the you the Barry most women, was a lot I of think. Fun. Yeah. The bar- baritone was a lot of fun. And it, there was only one baritone. Oh, okay. So that, that's, that's part of it, too. Like, the altos... There's always altos, right? Yeah, there are plenty of altos, but then you've got only a couple tenors and right. then one baritone. Hardly any sopranos, right? 
Oh yeah, I, no, I haven't even met a soprano in a, saxophonist in a, in a band like that. I think. Yeah, but it's good to. For, I mean, I, we share that. I mean, I've, like I said, I played alto and then played some guitar and, and jazz band stuff. But mm-hmm. it's a great way to build a social circle. Oh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was my favorite part of going to school. Was it an aspiration once you get out of high school to keep pursuing hmm. music at all? I think there were times where that crossed my mind. Yeah, uh, but not in a. Not in a big way. I, a, yeah. I did go audition for the Navy. No shit. I did not do well. I, it really taught me just how was that humbling? specific my training had been. Yeah. You know? Did you consider going into the Navy? That would have been. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what, the band. The band has a pretty good life. Oh, I, oh, I bet. Right. They just kind of travel. <laughs> yeah. And play, don't they? Yeah. You know, they wear civvies and yeah. they dress up for for uh, um, the games you know, performances. And stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. But. No, they've got a pretty good life, but they were such serious players. Really? Yeah, like yeah. Like the, the crumb, the crumb. Yeah, just Whiplash crowd. I don't know if you saw Whiplash. I didn't. Dude, you no. got to see it. Especially being a saxophonist. Yeah. It's really, really good. So does that mean... So you, you get out, you, and you said it's Kings Mountain? Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? Yeah, Kings Mountain High School. You yep. are still playing saxophone. You're at least humoring the idea of going into the Navy to play Cush gig yeah. for some. Al- right? Although I think once once that went away, once mm-hmm. I went and auditioned and it didn't go, I don't think I thought about it much more after that. Did you keep playing or no? No. No, I stopped. Mm-mm. Did you do any other kinds of music? Did you ever write? No, or? Not until um, probably t- 10 or 15 years ago, I taught myself how to play some guitar. Oh, cool. Just some chords. And kind of, yeah, frame this for me a little bit, too. I forgot to ask you. Yeah. You're talking high school. I think yeah. you're just a little bit older than me. You're talking uh, early 90s, mid-90s? Uh, when you I got graduated out? in 88. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Different. Totally different scene, man. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> Did you have the dreams of doing the whole college thing? And Oh, yeah. I went to college. And, Where'd you go? Uh, I went to a small Lutheran school called Lenore Rhine college now it's lenore ryan university is that also in north carolina it is yeah. in hickory north carolina hickory. i Sounds moved like from a, real a town rustic. of five thousand to a town of fifty thousand how is that transition you know it still wasn't enough but it but was yeah but because you're better. an exception right yeah you're already you're always seeing past you're thinking wider global mm-hmm. all these things Did, was that also kind of a stifling thing or opened your mind enough to... oh no it was it, you know there were some great things about it i met some really fantastic people but mm-hmm. it had a it had a really strong well it's a lutheran right uh well yeah lutheran but lutheran i was raised in a really fundamentalist church yeah. so lutheran was pretty mild was me. it which church not lutheran church not, baptist or not lutheran no a little a little um, more fundamentalist even than the Baptists. Really? Um, they're, they call themselves, so they're called the Wesleyans. Okay. And you might think, oh yeah, I've heard of Wesleyan, like Wesleyan College. Not that Wesleyan. Not that one. <laughs> no. Uh, um, my mom, uh-huh. so I had heard that the Wesleyans were connected to the Methodists. Okay. And my mom told me when I was a kid, oh yeah, and they, they split off because of slavery. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. So which side? Liked, yeah. Which, which side was which? I'd like to and know she, who I'm supporting said, here. And she said, "Oh, well, you know, of course, the Wesleyans were were against okay. slavery. Sure. Of course. Sure. Um, but then I learned that Methodists were renowned for their abolitionist uh, efforts. Oh no! To the point that Methodists were often run out of Southern states because and towns. they wanted abolition because, yeah so of course you have like to be now opposing. i realize oh yeah, my gosh like, no i was so I, that's the kind of church i grew up did you up think at. your mom knew 
No, I don't think she knew. She wanted to believe no, I think it she was wanted the to best believe it and, and didn't know. And, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, how could? Right. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course. of course she was on the, she and her family and yeah. all the. You're yeah. doing things for the right reason, <laughs> so you think. So you think. What does that look like? Is that a Wednesday <laughs> night, a Sunday yeah, so, church, you know, normal yeah, stuff? Yeah, Sunday school. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the thing in the sort of the big thing where the preacher gets up there and talks yeah. to everyone. Uh, and then Wednesday night prayer. How did that? I, I know for me, I had a distinctly uncomfortable feeling when I would sit in, in those sermons. And I think it was, geez, I can't remember the, the dom- denomination now, but this was somewhere in the Midwest. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not that old. I'm like eight or nine. I still think like, this doesn't work for me now. I don't, I don't get this. Like, how did you feel when you were Oh, no, there? I was, I was neck deep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of uh, doing it, seeing how it was. Oh, no, it was, it was, you know, I was, I was looking for something to believe, you know, so yeah. it's, it's oh, this good. thing of like looking for something bigger. Sure. Uh, Again, and it, and it was the closest the thing. Like, yeah, this was the closest that, you know, books, music and church. Yeah. You know, and plus well, church, church is was, worldly, you well, know, well, and it, and it, it speaks to it. The idea is that there's something greater than you are, but right. the fellowship and the the God, absolutely, you know, yeah. element. Um, no, and plus, I was like a lot of kids. I was an emotional kid, mm-hmm. big emotions, trying to figure out how to use them or whatever. Right. And this kind of crazy church really offered a place for that kind of big emotion. A good outlet for it. <laughs> I don't know if it was good, but an <laughs> it outlet, was an outlet. <laughs> an outlet, yes. Let's. Did you? You know, I think that that music, and I always go back to music. In these interviews, mm-hmm. but was that something that was also a pretty big outlet for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that you think was really influential at that time that you're like, oh man, I hear this, or it was just music in general. It was just, it was just, just doing it. Yeah, yeah, it was just uh, as a way to spend time. There right. was hardly anything better. Um, it is a great release. And mm-hmm. so when you end back up, so you're in college. What major were you at the um, Lutheran College? I I ended up with an English degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you liked composition, or you liked the construction. Um, originally, I I did it because I took an English class, and I realized, oh, so this thing that I do, where I read books and I think <laughs> about them, that's like a whole major. Oh like, shit! I don't even have to. I have a skill. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I have a skill set that totally fits with some major that I've never thought about. Yeah. Because I just didn't think of English class in high school the way English right. it kind of was is, a as college, a, yeah, you know? as, a, as a major. Um, and so, so yeah, think, at, at first it was just that of like, well, these are the classes where I'm doing well and where, yeah. where I'm doing stuff that like, yeah, I'll read more books. Sure. That sounds great. Talking um, about worldly, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I did like getting into poetry and just discovering uh, uh, literary theory yeah. and all of that. Very exciting. Are you, do you enjoy reading more or writing more? Uh, at this point, I probably write more, but it's just, it's strictly functional. It's you know, not like it's a, emails a Judy Bloom and, blog, is it? No. <laughs> no, it's emails. It's, oh, it's yeah, you know, yeah. it's copy for events. Do you it's, still take that opportunity to, to make it right and I, to be detailed? Because a lot I do, of people don't. I do have a very a particular sense of how it should be. Yeah. Uh, Would in you, most cases. You pros. So here's a, here's an interesting thing. I, I a lot of people in college. I loved loved reading at the time. Anyway, and I loved. Mm-hmm. Learn, I've always loved writing. Mm-hmm. And I was in community college in Houston, and I I took a class women lit women lit. And this is uh-huh. not like Wellesley. I'm not at a female yeah, college. Right? Yeah. I'm in Houston, sort of yeah. metropolitan place. And I was the only guy in the class. Okay. And it was about 20 women and myself. Mm-hmm. I had to read everything twice. <laughs> yeah. Because you better believe. 
that they would count call me each time yeah it's like oh what do you think about uh their eyes are watching god or whatever yeah it was yeah. Like, yeah so so was Zero Neil houston yeah i can't yeah 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 i can't remember but like the the, the bean tree yeah. all shit all the bronte stuff right i had to know um what is the one the jane Eyre, like a mm-hmm. backward and forward mm-hmm. like, like, like like the the fundamental script of like modern kind of feminine literature right. in a sense you know but do you have any of those moments in college where you're like man i really maybe i'm in the wrong time because that <laughs> that happened to me a lot where i was like ah what, what this other time might have been pretty interesting too um you know i've rarely had that feeling uh with regard to culture at large yeah but by and large i'm i'm glad to be further in the future here and now yeah, yeah yeah like i want to if if anything i would have been like to have been born later sure uh, <laughs> wait like not now like millennial yeah, yeah like get, get, yeah like get born now oh because just i want to see more of how this the, the sure. narrative of the world comes out yeah right? that's good that's good um but the only time i do indulge in that is when i i think about time travel to go back to certain periods of time for yeah. the music for music, what it, what's the one? Oh man, I would go back. I would go back and hang out in Harlem in the fifties. Oh man, just uh, you're talking second. all the greats then, right? Charlie yeah, Parker, Miles J- Davis, yeah, 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 all that that transition from from big band to bop, and really like starting in the. I'd probably spend a couple decades there. You yeah, know, hanging out with Benny Goodman, five to sixty-five. Yeah, okay, that's you good. Know? That's good. Yeah, where it got yeah. it got indie, a lot of changes in a happened. sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A brilliant. You, what would you be drinking then? Boy, what would I be drinking? That's the thought. Well, those you'd are, be smoking those are, something, right? Those are, yeah. <laughs> those were those would have been some good times for whiskey. Yeah, old Fitzgerald down yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going back, knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. I would probably drink all the Stitzel Weller I could find. Absolutely. Right? You know, I see those bottles uh, around sometimes too. Yeah. Gray market. Yeah. You look at it and you're almost transported just by looking at it. Have you? Well, you've got some some of that pappy down there. Stuff. You've got some some yeah, Stitzel tucked away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a special thing. It, re- it really is. But it's funny because that particular area, you talk about Harlem, when it's kind of transitioning from... Actually, uh, to be fully honest, I, I don't know... I know about that era, how it transitioned to mm-hmm. a cultural epicenter mm-hmm. in that area. But what was it before that, you know? Was it just kind of pl- a place and yeah, I don't, kind of I don't, ill-formed culture? I don't really you know? know. Yeah, I don't either. I, don't. I just know now it's changed yeah. to a point where it's deformed. You know, it's not really what it was. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So you go and you finish the four-year plan here at the Lutheran College, and, and you yeah, I finished the four-year plan in six years. <laughs> Did you? Was it the matter of wavering? Did you party too much? Did you um, find a love of your life? I, I mean, did. I did wait. I did waver at one point. I uh, I went and talked to my parents about feeling like I did not. I should not take another semester. Yeah. And they you, they you, they convinced me that I absolutely should that. My life would be filled with regret if I took a break from college, and so I went and I've I <laughs> failed out, uh, failed out hard. Really? <laughs> and then you know took a semester off, sold some cars. Yeah. Uh, decided college didn't seem so bad. And you got went my back? mind right. Went back. What? So what was going on when you failed out? I mean, that's how I've I've been very just, close personally. Yeah, just, not feeling it. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, when I first got to college, I got there with a lot of excitement about the academic element. Yeah. Then I had discovered more social elements. Right. And the butterflies it's just a lot emerging, going on. right? It's just got a, there's a lot going on there. Uh-huh. And I just felt like I needed, you know. Some time. Just five, six months to sort of reset, make a little money, 
you know. Yeah, and go back and maybe and go back. Clear your head, right? Oh no, I absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted I wanted to take a break and work. Yeah. Uh, and you see, you worked at a used car dealership. I sure did. How is that? That in the eighties, that was the worst guy you could be. Oh, it was horrible. Was and it, it was uh, while I was working at this small Chevrolet dealership mm-hmm. in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, uh, the first Gulf War broke out. Oh shit! So nobody wanted this teal uh, Firebird, right? You know, with the the V eight in mm-hmm. it. No one wanted that at all. God, so you're in the wrong place at the wrong, or the right? No, the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. Was that another indicator you needed to hop back? Into yeah, school? when I when I sort of saw what my options were, yeah. I needed more options. Gotcha. I needed to get back to it. Plus, so you, you know, I just missed. It was an easier life. College is easy life comparatively. Sure oh. is. Yeah, we're always, you know, it always seems difficult. Oh, we got to study all the time. We got to go to class on time, or maybe sometimes. Yeah. But nothing is more difficult than being responsible for every single thing you do yeah. right because you get the sense that like you can get away with a lot of shit in college oh yeah a whole lot right you can show oh, yeah. up late you could be drunk if you wanted yeah you know did you so when did you so you fit okay so you finished college six-year plan like myself we shared the six-year plan mm-hmm. you graduate with a degree in english you're mm-hmm. still in north carolina mm-hmm. at what point is this insatiable need to get the fuck out of north carolina it, like affect you and you get out of there so i graduated may 5th and i arrived in austin june 5th oh so was the 30-day trek the amazing trek or did you no to grab got a bus and it took 24 hours, I think. <laughs> 30, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe well, a day and a half, two when, days. So what year was this in Austin? Uh, I arrived in 94. Oh, wow. So it was a totally different time then. Well, yeah. At that point, Austin didn't have the momentum that it does now in terms of being a great place to get a job and lots of good economy and stuff. So what was it then that really drove you, drove, excuse me, drove you to come into Austin? Uh, I had a friend with a couch who said I could sleep on it until I got a job. <laughs> That's I'd, great. That's I'd not never, a bad reason I, at I'd, all. I had never visited Austin. Uh, I just knew I wanted to go somewhere. Yeah. I'd heard enough about Austin. Enough to, like, as a barrier and entry, like, that. Eh, yeah. I won't die probably. Yeah. So let well, me go. And I had I had visited Albuquerque some years before oh, and really it? loved it. Albuquerque, yeah. And I thought, oh, it'll be, you know, <laughs> people just don't have a sense of how big the Southwest Dude, is. And how right? different it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, yeah, I loved Albuquerque. Why not? Yeah, there's deserts here, right? Yeah, Psh, very different. <laughs> totally different. Um, but fell in love very quickly. Yeah. Moved to moved to Seattle for a couple of years after was it, being here for four years, and then got back as quick as I could. So you're here. What were you doing when you got into town? Were you teaching? Were you studying? Reading? Um, uh, temporary jobs. Job to job. Data entry. Oh, dude. The that was only a huge thing. marketable skill I had was that I could type. 94 right so it was archaic then oh yeah god just i remember i uh, did the data input no it's green screens green screens and 10 keys yes right there's no it's terrible yeah yeah it's so terrible and you i man that was a different time for sure Mm -hmm. and so what brought you up to seattle we just kind of done it doing the data entry stuff so while i was in north carolina um speaking of the early days of the internet i ran up on a group of people who were Mm -hmm. scattered at other colleges who were um, experimenting with different ways of thought and perhaps why that how they could be affected by psychotropic substances. Oh, so you started Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I started <laughs> Facebook. Uh, 
And, uh, and so, you know, these people, we had lots of conversations online. Uh-huh. We would plan these BBSs get-togethers. The and or IRC. IR- or... IRC yeah, I and, uh, and just email. Um, cool. Yeah. IRC was the... That's the big yeah, one. it was huge. It was MIRC for me. It was the same thing, though, I think. Uh, but yeah, this was pre, pre-Mosaic. Oh, like gosh, like my okay. my my account was on a Vax machine wow. that I could see through the window in the other room. This was ninety two. So you found you helped found the internet. Basically. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> Me and Al Gore, <laughs> arm in arm. <laughs> so um, you go. I, this is an amazing reason to go anywhere. Yeah. But you said I am aligned with some of these people yep. over psychotropic drugs. Yep. Let's see what. Well, happens. and also like other things are like that was, you know that there there. That was ostensibly the thing, but in the end, it ended up being as much about books and music and well, the how true, to live your life. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, a, a lot of talk about this idea of meta meta programming was meta actually the idea. What it, at the can center. you explain that to me? So the idea of the computer programming itself. Oh, I see. Something okay. that Timothy Leary talks about. Something that you uh, start getting with uh, was that so Robert Ann Wilson. Is it fair to say that the psychotropic drugs of which you uh, took were not of the ground and they were perhaps constructed with L S and D. There were, there were a variety of numbers and letters. <laughs> um, some of which, you know, came from the ground, some of which started in the ground and got changed totally along changed. the way. Yeah. Do you, uh, a lot of, for a lot of people, that is a defining moment, a point of clarity for them. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of those kinds of moments where it's like you saw something oh, in yeah. yourself? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like it was a, it's, I was just having this conversation the other day. Like it's been decades since I've dabbled in that stuff, but Mm. I still feel like not that I didn't make some mistakes along the way and just do some crazy partying. Sure. But also I had some, I did have some moments of clarity that have persisted and helped me see some things about myself that are still at the heart of my personal private self-improvement projects, you know, like sort of, how to, how to live happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. the basics. That's great. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's kind of Seattle. Is It's about meeting these people, talking about life, learning about life. So, there were more life. of those folks living in Seattle. I see. Uh, and, okay. But I also had two buddies in from college who were living there. Mm-hmm. I went and visited once. thought it was great. Yeah. Then I, you know, moved there and realized that I need sunshine gotcha. to be happy. Well, uh, there's, and, a, there's something to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, so the sun is back. the source of life. That's this is right. a very reasonable response. This is not a metaphor. To it is literally the source yeah. of life. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know some happy people mm. in Seattle, but there's a fundamental grumpiness that goes down there. It has to be, right? It's just hard for me to, I don't know. You want, I, I, don't, I don't want to generalize too much. No, there, I there, totally there are understand a lot of, what you're saying. I, I, I know some people up there who are doing a lot of really interesting things, who sure. are living great lives. Yeah, but the, um, in a sense, like you go up there knowing very well that it's going to age your artistic lifestyle. Oof. It is. I, I thought when I was a kid, I heard Nevermind, got into sound. Oh, you know what sure, I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I got to go where they are mm-hmm. because I want to be in the rain and wear a hoodie every day. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I want to do. And I'm a teenager. I don't know any better. Well, you, you would know? have gotten the opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> Lots. So, sure. It's enabling. It's an enabling environment yeah. for create, quote unquote creativity, or at least what we sense in ourselves as art, artistic nature. You know. Yeah. There's certainly a there's there's a romantic view of the the artistic of, of struggle creating right creating yeah oh and, yeah and uh, and not that it doesn't happen. 
but it's not the there's same. There's also that yeah. thing of like you know people people hearing that Charlie Parker was addicted to heroin and taking up heroin, right? Because they to, thought it was going to turn them into amazing, right? And it, change their playing or whatever. And well, that I heard just that that's how you. That way. Yeah, no, <laughs> you actually. It's actually that the creativity, creativity, or the creative core is what exists first, and the heroin is what fosters it and or coddles it into darkness maybe you know i'd say not to be i'd say we're probably looking at correlation not causation yes sir uh, yeah it's just something that happens to people in that territory absolutely. right well, you they, know they you gravitate towards that. yeah i think so. you absolutely do. can be socially you do mm-hmm. creatively you do uh, romantically you do mm-hmm. but nonetheless like it was too damn shady and rainy yeah oh, man and probably self-deprecating so you headed oh, back to austin yeah, I came back. and austin while I was in Austin, I had started working with a theater company here and been mm-hmm. doing a lot of writing and, oh, and wow. a lot of a lot of work. Uh, and and uh, they were starting up another show mm-hmm. that I really wanted to be a part of as a writer. Uh, well, no, as a as a performer. Oh, no, in kidding. that one. Uh, although there was there was some. Uh, this group did a lot of group writing, mm-hmm. but I think this was right around one particular writer sort of started taking the lead more and yeah and and so i think there were maybe some early stages right right where people were involved in throwing out ideas but there came a point where was there a particular where, like, genre the lead to, writer this, just took to this stuff or just general nonfiction or fiction hmm well there's a um yeah i don't not I, really not it, really like a common thread through it not necessarily just creativity yeah you very to be very again. uh very preoccupied with Dream logic, yeah. um, abstraction, sure, uh, and in particular, you know the sort of surrealism that you find in dreams. Interesting, like, kind of, like uh, there's the movie. Was it Spellbound, the Hitchcock movie, mm. or that that Salvador Dali dream scene? Right. Yeah, which is the one of the only times that you really see what you dream as, yeah, uh, manifested physically. Yeah. You know, not to to get mad or whatever. But so yeah. you're making that transition from writer to actor then. Yeah. Well, and I had done perform. You know, this. You know, was some it a little minor theater th- company where it's just like yeah. everybody's doing everything too. Sure. You know. Uh, but I mean. The, oh yeah, we've got an open part. Who wants it? Yeah. You yeah. know. But you hey, have I'll such a. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine that you didn't have such a commanding personality then, too. I mean, mm-hmm. did you grow into that? Were you always kind of that guy that people could rally around because he's he's very very confident has articulate things i don't think as an actor it was like that for me no Uh, it was it was a it was a really hard and uh uh i don't i always one of the things i enjoyed about this group was that i had some really strong mentors in that area so it wasn't a leadership thing for me it was actually the opposite yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely to learn yeah feeling of being trained uh, not just working on this thing, mm-hmm. this particular project, but stuff that would go on. Right. Did you ever have any formal training or anything or just something you no. found? No, but, but, but I was, I mean, these folks came from very formal yeah. theater backgrounds. And so you, so you just, I took feel like I got in. some stuff, but yeah, you know, there are only a couple, I mean, this, this, this only lasted, I don't know, three, four years. Yeah. Did it uh, kind of, it's an amazing journey. Like if I was a betting man, I couldn't actually project where where <laughs> Hank would end up or where Hank would start. So, what was the moment that you stepped away from the stage? Um, I up until then, I had had uh, well the temp jobs mm-hmm. and really trying not to work much. Yeah, you know, I think I don't think I broke twelve grand a year. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. For for years, you know, when I was yeah. up in Seattle, I had a real job, but then I came back and got right back into. Yeah. I'm basically working half time. Gotcha. You know, six months. What, what was it? Be, so that you could have the the mental freedom to just explore and, and be. I, I mean, uh, are you just? I are you a fuck the man attri- kind of guy? I can't attribute a lot of decision to it. Yeah. Um, just existing. Just it being, was right? just. I didn't want to work too much. I see. I wanted time off, and yeah. and yeah, I was I was keeping my at that point in my life I was keeping myself very busy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. Um, and uh, but I got a job with Thinkwell, and when it's, it, when was it this? started um, late nineties or no? This was when I came back from. So I came back from Seattle in two thousand. Oh, okay, and I think I probably started working with them 2003 oh, or wow. four. So quite a while. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, and. Uh, and just started doing work with them that really scratched a lot of my creative itches. Mm-hmm. Plus, I was doing it full time. Yeah, I liked the job. I didn't like, want to lose it. It was like where I spent my time. Y- yeah, I mean, so it wasn't never like I made a lot you? of money, yeah. but I made more than twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. <laughs> so, th- so there was a there was a, a little bit of different quality of, of life. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I stopped having to worry about whether or not I was going to pay my meager rent, right, or right. things like that. Uh, no, and that. That was not, that was nothing to be sneezed at. Uh, no, I mean, it, felt, it, it, it felt probably important. was double that, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so after a while, it just, uh, it just, it started being too much yeah. other stuff. I just wanted to do this one thing. Gotcha. You did know? you, so it makes me wonder this whole time, or did you have a particular interest in, let's say, food or alcohol in general, spirits? beer all that so you know i was really fortunate to grow up uh my great grandmother was alive until i was 14 Mm. and so she had come up in a time where she cooked Mm -hmm. three times a day you know for a house full of people yeah yeah uh she was that person in that family and and you know cooked some kind of bread at every meal you know biscuits or cornbread or very southern right right so so i was I, i just grew up around I don't think I had green beans from a actual metal can until I went to college. Oh man, that's sort of the opposite than everybody. You grew up on real food. And I didn't realize, I, you know, but I was also coming up during the rise of industrial food. You know, right. I, I craved uh, Happy Meals and yeah, for sure. Pizza Hut pan pizza. Oh, Box mac and cheese? Oh man, I couldn't get enough. That's so good, right? Loved that stuff. Yeah. But so I did, I just did not understand how good I had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Became a vegetarian in college. Spent ten years as a vegetarian. Really? Was so, that a because the food sucked, or because you had an ethical, uh, you know, opposition to the way animals were treated? Yeah, I had a. It was an ethical thing, uh, yeah. and really more of a. Uh, at some point, I, it became clear to me that that um, really the only vote I had was my dollars. Yeah. Oh, good and, point. You know, yeah. you know, sure. not that not that that other vote doesn't do something. Yeah. But not as much no, as how right, much I right. how my, how I spend my money and and uh, yeah, I just learned some stuff about meat production that it's not a, not, not attractive. Not, yeah, gave up chicken first. I still don't yeah. eat chicken, man. I love chicken. <laughs> just I think they're great. But... It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but but then changed, ten years though, later, right? yeah. ten years later, I went and visited Italy uh, wow. and saw. The other side. So, so I'd been paying very much attention to my diet, mm-hmm. but in this different way, yeah. right? Being vegetarian, being right, right. particular, being like making sure that whatever that 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 hidden ingredient on the package was uh-huh. 
wasn't me. So right, so right. super super attentive in this one way. Okay. Um, went to Italy, saw how food production went there, which right. was totally different. Super super local. Yeah. This was two thousand. Mm-hmm. The slow food movement was really taking on. Yeah. Take, some, taking some a, taking off in in Italy. Uh, I had never heard of it uh, except there. And we went to some places and I was just blown away by the simplicity. I had, I had a dish that was a, 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 uh, what do you call it? The, the, uh, the por the porcini, the The porcini porcini mushrooms. Uh, I had ordered the porcini salad. Okay. And when it came, it was a porcini sliced uh-huh. with a drizzle of olive oil and some salt. Oh, really like simple. Like just stacked on it. Yeah. And I was disappointed. I thought, that's with not really a salad. Oh, I see. You know? But then I ate it and you it was understood. revelatory. Yeah. No, this is a perfect piece of food. All wow. it needs is a little olive oil and a little salt. Right. And, uh, you know, the tomatoes were fantastic. The melons were fantastic. Mm-hmm. You ate meat in small amounts sure. alongside all these really, Other all this fresh produce. Handmade. All these amazing handmade starches. Yeah, yeah the yeah. pastas, things like that. And uh, it just really changed. I spent two weeks there and really had, had had some amazing meals. Yeah. So much simpler than the kind of food I'd been making for myself I at bet. home. and. Yeah. You well, know, once again, I'm still food, in the heart man. of I'm still at the heart of of industrial food at that point. We're sure. still not those really veggie bur- those veggie burgers have more ingredients absolutely. than a hamburger does. And I was eating a lot of me that too stuff. at that point. Same yeah. thing, man. And until you kind of see, it, this is an interesting thing, in that simplicity really is best. It's not that meat is bad, right? It's that we've made it bad by overcomplicating it. And catering to people because they want more, right? Right. So you go, and I can't imagine a nice, you know, curated meat there, like mm. prosciutto de parma, whatever, oh, right? But it's made with care, and it's made the same way it's always been made, which means that they respect the land and they respect the animal. And you don't sit, you don't sit down and eat half a pound of it exactly. at once, right. right? There's no triple cheeseburger. It's just all you need is a slice. This stuff is so rich, yeah. and all those cheeses, and and that's the thing. When you take your time too, it's also right, this yeah. long. You you don't feel this thing of just needing to cram something dense and caloric yeah. in so you can keep going. Yeah, slower. Which is weird because the food, in a sense, no, not in a sense. It is absolutely intentional that the food we eat that is readily available and boxed and frozen, it is constructed with chug, 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 stuff, stuff, stuff down your mouth. In mm-hmm. mind, that's how it's made, and in a sense, it's like yep. the whole the whole culture: be more productive, do more things, eat more food. Yep. So, where would you come back with then from Italy? This new look that, or rather, this new perspective that you can eat the right things the right way. You don't. It doesn't have to be bound to vegetarianism. And that's a, for for me. I never. I and some people do. And I yeah. I have a very good friend who's a vegan. Who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he his strong feeling is. If an animal can suffer, mm-hmm. he doesn't want it to suffer. I see. Right. Yeah. So, uh, for for me, the the food chain element didn't bother. You. Well, and even that, right? Makes it, no, but like gives away my my argument. You know, I'm no, but I I'm understand. not trying to dismiss this. Like other people aren't caring about the food chain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I never it never bothered me that animals were dying. Right. It was more about how they were dying. Gotcha. You know, to me, wild caught mm-hmm. animals. We're sort of always on the menu. Always, I, I never, I never had them. I yeah. never had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But they, they, 
ethically, they those were fine. Yeah, for me. every all things in common, they're yeah. up for grabs yeah. almost literally, right? That's, the bear yeah. is just grabbing the salmon <laughs> right. out of the water, I, and I think that that's the level playing field. Yeah. yeah, that's how that's how I feel about using guns and hunting. Gotcha. If you're going to use a spear or a crossbow, all right, maybe I have less of an opposition to it hmm. because you have to get off your ass. You can't just sit there drinking beer for six hours. You have to go yeah. and run and do something about it. And that's something. There's some element to that. Uh, yeah. You know, some, some no, there's something I admire to that. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I don't mind people using guns for hunting either. Yeah. Um, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a total it, it's, tangent. To me, to know, me but, it's a matter of trophy hunting versus harvesting. Right. Okay. You know, like yeah. if you're, if, the, if this is meat that's going in your freezer that you guys are going to eat. Yeah. Awesome. Makes sense. Yes. Awesome. No, that's a great point. Um, yeah. However you harvest it. it. Yeah. And, you know, truthfully, like, like I don't want to romanticize that doing things the hard way makes it better which is not always the case right yeah. like i mean yeah. dude if you can do that with a crossbow i think that's awesome that's pretty don't awesome get me wrong. Yeah. And, and i do think you've sort of maintained some i don't know how to express this yeah. higher level but yeah you're doing you it you got some skills you're doing it real right yeah. dude. real yeah. right yeah gun also maybe you just don't have time and yeah. you just need to take a couple deer it's a good during point, season yeah. and you know no i think that i think it's the wastefulness that bothers me people yeah, just i, I don't like I, I can't you know to see these always white rich people mm. p- putting their boot over the neck of a rhino all it's right. like dude all you know you put you two in a room one of you is not going to survive and we know exactly who it's going to be you know and you're not doing it for any real reason except to feel better about yourself and that whole other conversation but that's bullshit i i'm sorry that's just offensive to me yeah i'm it's not like, really into i don't trophy hunting doesn't i don't i don't yeah i yeah, don't i don't no, share i don't share whatever that visceral thing is right i don't i, don't I mean da- the dangerous most dangerous game like mm. if you're hunting another human another dentist as it were <laughs> fuck yeah I would, I would repost it all day like well i you know fred is a bit slow climbing the tree so i, I snagged his ass you know like that's fine with me but so anyway we, we digress but you came back with a better sense that it's more about process. Yep. And and um when I became a vegetarian, the there there were no there was no ethically produced meat. Yeah. available in yeah. stores. And I was living in Seattle when mm. I came back and and then I moved to Austin shortly thereafter and there were options. Mm. Now, I am not saying I'll t- I'll tell you. So so this makes it all sound like I came back with some higher consciousness and i did come back with a somewhat (laughs) higher consciousness right but also i came back with the absolute visceral knowledge that i wanted to eat more meat Ah. that meat was delicious it is yeah so that so if i remember anything it's like like, i'm talking about this like it's all like oh i thought each step through and i've lived no 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 you had a guttural feeling i had a i had a thing that, that had to i could not believe that i had had my last prosciutto and melon oh man i couldn't believe that yeah yeah i couldn't live that way salami sopracetta i mean any of it so part of it was just connecting to uh a food tradition yeah and feeling like you know like however they do it that's Mm -hmm. the right way like i don't want to they know better than we do there's there's just aesthetically i get the ethics of veganism Mm -hmm. uh the aesthetics of veganism yes are a little trickier for me, sure. Uh, yeah. Just because I, I, I love, uh, I don't know. I love this idea of Sunday dinner. And great, mm-hmm. the great thing is there are these uh, these poor people, you know, pura cucina uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, 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 traditions that are vegan or whatever, and that's great. Like Indian yeah. food, sure, you wonderful. Know? 
I, I mean, it's intensely to, flavorful. Intensely flavorful, yeah. you know, things like that. But by and large, when you start getting into these regional cuisines, mm. there's some... The, the meat is held in esteem. It's it precious. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's at least a right? flavoring, yeah. right? There's right, always right. going to be this little scrap here, this little scrap there. Mm-hmm. Although there are going to be dishes that are specifically not that way. But lard is an know? amazing ingredient. It certainly does a good job with a pie crust. Or tortillas. I can't deny it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, I'm a fan. I yeah. like that lard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's. But so really, it was thing. just this strong aesthetic feeling of yeah. like really being intrigued by food, in regional general, food, right? yeah. and and wanting to to sort of learn some more about that, yeah. and in particular, in particular, uh, northern Italian food. Really, did you, at did that, that time, did that drive you to cook? Oh yeah, and I'd, I'd always been a cook. Right. Uh, oh, sorry. Did it yeah, drive you to cook up. professionally? Oh no, not really. No, uh, my only professional cooking gigs were. Uh, pizza shops sandwich shops in college you know i wouldn't like that yeah well so at some point it's got to intersect i I feel like there's a very close coupling and parallel between really wonderful exquisite food Mm -hmm. it's typically regional frankly indian Mm -hmm. is a great example Mm -hmm. you build up the same kind of base notes with your cumin your coriander Mm -hmm. your peppers in some cases uh well chilies and stuff uh Mm -hmm. pepper sardines all that but then you add a fat Right, so you had coconut milk, yogurt, mm-hmm. velocities, mm-hmm. and then you add the protein, which or in ghee some cases, or... abs- right, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you add the you got your starch and or protein, which mm-hmm. comes via lentils or garbanzo mm-hmm. beans mm-hmm. or lamb or, or lamb. goat. I do love Come, a good Rogan Josh. Right, so it, it it's an interesting thing because that concept is very true to art. It's very true to music, and it's very true to, to cocktails. It's very similar building a daiquiri, for example having the components and building up upon them, you know, your bass note, your punch, your alcohol. I feel like there's a lot of parallels in that sense. So did you feel like your interest in food inevitably took you into being interested about spirits as well? Or is it just your amazing worldliness? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, no, I, I think when cocktails started coming up, it, I had started getting into bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, a girlfriend of mine... You know, because bourbon's everywhere, mainly. Absolutely. You uh, and uh, I'd, I'd been getting into craft beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, a girlfriend of mine was was a, uh, and still is, a, a Maker's Mark. Not still my girlfriend, but still is a Maker's <laughs> Mark drinker. Yeah. Uh, whiskey drinker. And um, Were you okay with Maker's Mark? It, as an intro, yeah. I feel like it was a great introduction. We did I felt, bourbon, nice. And- yeah. Simple. Yeah. Um, made the right way for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, and we're talking 2003, you mm-hmm. know, 2004. So too. yeah, yeah. This is still like really low production. The mm-hmm. idea of, you know, the idea of luxury bourbons was still not, not, not a thing, not a thing, right? Yeah. Everything was middle shelf. Sure. High shelf bourbon was $30 to go back know, to that time and snag up oh, all those bottles. I think about it, that. Man. Yeah, dude, so much money now, but, oh, but, but bourbon is a great intro. But then I, but then I ran into bookers. Ah, uh, barrel from, proof, uh-huh. you know, small 60 batch. something percent, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, it's proof is given in a range. Yeah. I love that. Cause it depends on the batch. Yeah, yeah. You know, and each batch is labeled, but in terms of the general bottle, Great point. Yeah. you know, this is like be off from by one, two, 5%. 24 to 128, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah. It just depends on the batch. And so that was fascinating to me. It was affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I thought about scotch, uh, you know, at that time I'm, I'm back to, you know, I'm back to not making much money. Right. Um, 
when I thought about scotch, it was just really expensive oh, to totally, learn about. Totally. Whereas bourbon, I could afford. And yeah. the same was sort of true of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great things about beer is you can have, you know, one of the best beers in the world for $7. No matter what. Same price. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, you know, wine and, and uh, uh, whiskey can't say that at this point. Not at this point. Not, not for at like that point, best. you almost couldn't give it away. No. That's now you right. can't give craft spirits away. No, that's it's right. project, but... Side conversation. Uh, anyway, so the, Makers is a great introduction. Bookers is the one that really opens up your mind. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about that like really unabashed barrel proof? I love spirit, it, man. Were you uh, able just to drink it straight up? Then? Uh, by I think back then I was a I was an ice user, mm-hmm. but I, I don't anymore. I love barrel proof spirits. Um, uh, I think there's a there's a way to drink them. You mm-hmm. you can't drink them the same way. Yeah. You drink other spirits, or they'll just scorch you. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Uh, but I think the the way the if when it's well made, the flavor it packs, the texture it packs. Yeah. Oh, just glorious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think also, and I don't understand why this is true or how this is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, every every once in a while, someone will make the correlation between a spirit burning and it being high proof. Right. And yeah, sort of, but, but I think of it as proof and polish are different. Sure. I have had barrel proof spirits mm-hmm. there. I think it was 2010 George T. Stagg. Uh, uh-huh. great, <sighs> great bottle. Just drank round and sure. rich. I never wanted any ice or water. On yeah. It. Some of them are that but, good. But some themselves. of them are rough and oh, yeah. I, I've got a bottle open. I think a 2012, Stag? Stag. Yeah, it's that pretty... I prefer as a Japanese-style highball. Gotcha. I like it long. Some of them are really Cause intense. Because it's, it's rough. Yeah. It's hard to sip on. For there me. are a lot like that. It's it's funny. I, had, I finally got... I was out the other night for a friend's birthday, and I hadn't had Wild Turkey 101 bourbon mm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want... Because they, they assumed I was shooting it, so I'd go you know, oh, double right. Right. and put rocks in it and everything. And so they gave me a little shot glass. I was sipping it. Yeah. The finish on that thing is superb. So is, is that really is that a new Wild Turkey 101? It was a brand new bottle, yeah. Of the bourbon or the rye? The bourbon. Interesting. It is incredible. And honestly, the water, the water to me ruins it. Well, it actually are, changes the flavor to a point where I don't care for it. I think way. there are whiskeys like that. Yeah. Do, do you, uh, I saw you had some E.H. Taylor. Do you yeah. have their barrel proof? That's the one I had last night. Actually, great with some water. I, In this particular I, case. I feel like for me, Not no. Good. Well, it depends on which one. Yeah. Right? These yeah. are... Single barrels, I think, or at least small batches. Right, right, right. When I when I'm thinking of the the 129 proof release, yes, that you one, want that one. I did up. not like that one with water. Yeah, it, it's, it was it's weird. Crazy, right? It made it bad. Sometimes you just have to. That's the thing is people want hard and fast rules. Oh, here here's something I love. Well, that. right, right. Yeah, I want to show this with you because I think it's fucking hilarious. Okay, I was buying a couple of bottles of mezcal Austin wine merchant, right? As okay. you do because it got a great yeah, selection. Great bottle selection. sherry as well, right? Yeah, and. I'm gonna miss you, Kate. Don't uh, please don't she leave. Leaving? Yeah. Oh, going on to bigger, better things. I right? assume. I don't know. Let's assume that the she is. I, yeah, I assume that. <laughs> right now, I'm I'm more concerned about me. <laughs> what am I gonna do? What is what is without? Kate? How am I gonna? How am I gonna survive? Well, I sit in there and I always like to like to see what kinds of whiskeys they've got in there. Sure. Anything new out? Cause it's, it's interesting. I'm the same yeah. kind of guy. I love bourbon like you do. Yeah. And I was sitting there in front looking at the stock excuse me, the scotch section and one of the guys, one of the sales guys, there was a lady in there, probably mid thirties, uh, short blonde. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I just won't drink anything under 10 years. 
Nice. And the guy, and beyond me cringing and kind of laughing a little bit, the guy looked at her and he says, "Well, the, good, good for you. Not, not in like uh, good for you, but the yeah, good yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. Great salesman, yeah, handled right. it perfectly. Right. But that just goes to show you that there are these platitudes with yeah. whiskey that people they align themselves to so rigidly that they just won't break it. Yeah. Right. Pappy's yeah. the best. Oh, really? Well, let me put a blindfold on you and have you tell me which one's the pappy. Because I have a feeling you're not going to be able to tell, right? Yep. And a 10-year bourbon or an 8-year, there are some, incre- as you know, incredible 8-year yeah, bourbon. Yep. Yep. Like that, that Wild Turkey 101 bourbon, it tastes incredibly rich and smooth at a higher proof. And I'm sure it's under 8 years. I'm gonna have amazing. to. I'm going to have to revisit that bottling. Uh, yeah, I had it's some, really good. I had some bottles post-Campari that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. But I recently have started drinking their rye, their 101 the rye. The 101 rye. How's and that? I love Great. it. I think now that Rittenhouse has changed uh-huh. um, distilleries and it's no longer, I think, up right. to standard. I think this is this is my new yeah yeah. Do you have that pike go to rye? I haven't had it yet. Insanely good, 110 proof too. Really rich. All okay. Kind of the chocolate and the coffee and all that stuff you like out of the rye, and a little bit of the spice too, but more that heaven ale rich chocolateiness than, than anything else. It's really good because I feel like Pikesville thing. used to come out of Brown Foreman as well. Yeah, along I with think Rittenhouse. This is this is Heaven Hill from my. But this is absolutely they've always been owned by Heaven Hill. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure this but is it's actually their out. Yeah. Okay. But I have to check it out. It's over six years old too. It's a nice. older than, than oh, very nice. Than Ritt, so foolproof, little age. Yeah, dude, it's Sounds really, nice. really good. But so, suffice it to say, we have this little banter exchange about bourbon. Mm-hmm. Why, to me, you be like when I need to understand some things about bourbon, and I feel like I'm ahead of the curve over some guys. I kind of understand things, know who's making. Dude, you what. own a distillery. Well, to, you, you know a thing just, or two. You know, maybe, maybe. But I'm not making whiskey. <laughs> well, God, sure. How dare I make whiskey in Texas? <laughs> I can't. No one's going to be able to do it right here. They still haven't done it right. At any rate. Let's but not get into that conversation. I'm not even getting, yeah. <laughs> getting tangled. I don't need to develop any hatred. <laughs> what, so what, why did you become, and of course I am putting you on this pedestal right now, but why did you become the whiskey guy? How did you become the expert? Why What? Why do people gravitate towards you for that? I don't that? know if I'm... Okay. You, I, you I, know I, a thing or two. I do know a thing, thing or, or two. two. Yeah. I don't... I am... There are some other really, and and I will I will use the word other. Yes, I'm not the expert. I, I but I am one of. Well, you let's know, say I think top I, fucking ten. Let's I think just I know. I know right? some stuff that do, a lot yeah. of folks I know don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but there are people out there who I'll I'll read their work and they know so much. Oh, sure. About what's like Chuck Catter. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Stuff, he knows a lot of things. But but you you are the guy. You're my resident expert mm-hmm. when I don't know things. Mm-hmm. I mean, why bourbon? What was it about it that became a topic of particular interest, not just Del- drinking it, but I you just know the it. details. Well, but but also it's it's um, uh, you know, it's like reading the cereal box, right? You know, I'm sitting there drinking bourbon. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll I'll pick up. I've drunk a lot of bourbon. I do. That not gives doubt me that. a lot of time to pick up a you know one scrap of information. Mm-hmm. You know, each time, and uh, and yeah, I'm just curious. You know, I think I have a. Uh, by by the time and you you know this by the time you are collecting bottles and and I and I don't mean collecting them speculating I mean right. finding special bottles to drink yeah right you start having to navigate a lot of obfuscation yes, a lot of opacity yeah you know that that you have to be the person who understands smoke and mirrors where this distillate comes from yeah. 
when it when did it come from here and when did it come from there and how right. does this label change correlate and what's the UPC code? How, how do you? Feel, it's a great point. Great point. How do you feel about distilleries? Let's just use Texas as an example. No brands particularly, right? Yeah. But Texas as an example. How do you feel about brands saying this is a Texas whiskey? Although we both know damn well it's sourced from somebody in Kentucky and it's rebottled mm. with the Texas brand. I mean, how do you feel talking about ob- obfuscation? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, by and large, I am I'm a proponent of truth in labeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I without without speaking specifically to Texas, you know, we live here. We got to be careful. Right. Um I, I do I do want I want places to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh I I don't think there's anything to hide. You know, we know that whiskey gets sourced. We know there that beautiful right. whiskeys but get you know, sourced. Sure. So you know, that Michter's Well, it doesn't have to hide the Willett's fact great, yeah. that they source whiskey because they pick spectacular great, barrels. Great barrels, yeah. Right. For you sure. know, but and, here, and but you so, compare this like to the Templeton thing, right? Well, where the right. where where and I use that as an extreme, it's, right? But I, it's a case. Most it's people a case don't study. go to yeah, yeah. And it's one that went very, very public. And it'll be historically yeah. a, a big moment for for whiskey. Yeah. Um, but, but what about te- so? This is all true. All yeah. this is true. Like I said, the Michter's tenure. They won't tell me where it's sourced, even though yep. I ask them directly. No, it's fine. They yep. know they didn't make it. It is a great bottle. That twenty year, same difference, right? Yep. I can taste it and kind of speculate. And it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And will it pick some great barrels? Smooth Ambler picks some great barrels. Absolutely. All that stuff's really, Absolutely. really cool. But, but I, I guess more specifically, I'm talking about. So we know there is like, let's say it's an eighty twenty breakdown of people that drink whiskey. There's twenty percent that really do care about the craft. Yeah. They're not going to stand rigidly behind the ten year age statement. Sure. They're going to be okay with drinking some at four years, which could right. still be brilliant. Right. All the four roses stuff is under. They have a, they have a more nuanced sure sort of appreciation. They are not. They are open to the art of it, and they're not so just rigid, right? But. The rest of the people, and this isn't to separate because I we're all consumers, right? All yeah. of us are 100% our consumers, but there's an 80-20 breakdown. And like 80% of the customers want to just say, oh, it's a Texas, I'll buy because it it's a Texas whiskey. But that's completely disingenuous. Well, sure. But, you know, also there are people out there buying dog dick vodka. And, right. You know, and you can't... Uh, so you're 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 a an easygoing guy. Well, <laughs> I, I I don't believe no, this. this, is, this actually, course, no, this is this is of course a, a topic that I'm very passionate. I that, know that, that I have lots of passions around. Right. But the one this this thing of, you know, are there out out of that eighty percent of the people who don't really care? Right. Do I really care what they drink? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would like for their money to go to businesses that I I that I like to. Yeah, I I like it when people are drinking Good. real straight bourbon whiskey, the honest stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that they're drinking something that's labeled well and all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for when they're drinking flavored whiskey products, sure. and but also I, but you do know, you, but also it's it it tastes just fine from where I'm sitting. Right. You know, I'm not drinking it. So yeah, yeah, in a way, I I I hate it, but. It will hurt me constantly mm-hmm. if I worry about if you let it in, if you let it in, stuff, lose right. sleep at night. About like it's it. that twenty percent, you yeah. know. And yeah. truthfully, there are enough competition for my world. I don't need the rest the, of that. These other guys like wanting the whiskey. I yeah, want yeah. yeah, Oh yeah, we want them wanting everything else. So we get those damn I mean, bottles. It's already tough out there. I, you know, I think about it differently because I, I do make a product and we do well, right. and stuff. So right. that maybe that's more more of 
uh, I'm being very selfish <laughs> in the tone of the no, conversation. I, I have the luxury of being of being able to maintain a strictly uh, observer yeah. position. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. It's true. True. A horse in the race. Right. You know. You. You do. But here, here's you an ethical. I, abs- yeah, I absolutely yeah, do, and I kind of yeah. can care about standards and yeah, truth and all this stuff. Of course. But maybe that's stupid. Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe that's not how things work. Oh, no, I, 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 I do think it's worth us pushing. I do believe that in lots of areas, right. people want truth and advertising. Sure. Whether we're talking, you know, I'm I'm not personally an anti-GMO person. Yeah, you know, me, I, me I, I feel like I have a, a somewhat more it's it's not one way or the other for yeah, me. Yeah, right, right. But I also understand labeling things accurately. Yes. You know, I I don't know how that looks, but to me, like more information isn't going to hurt anybody. Yeah, no, it never did. It's, yeah, it's just so. either they either they pay attention or they just that's they, right, they or they it ignore out, it so. and it's fine. Yeah, okay. it's no yeah. problem. But here's an ethical question, actually. Okay. That I know you have a dog in this race, <laughs> okay. and this was I hadn't met you yet, but Michael Sanders said. You know, you should talk to Hank. You guys would get along. Okay. And I'm like, all right, well, why Why is that? And I guess maybe because we both raise our voices uh, marginally. I, I, don't, I don't exactly know. But he he tells me this. He regales me with this tale of you getting upset with somebody. And I, keep in mind, I'm not siding one way or the other. This I understand. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're recounting it. Yeah, there. I'm recounting yeah, yeah. a tale. And a guy ordered a whiskey and Coke with a... Pappy 20, I believe. Mm. Now, that scenario in which they know what they're buying, they've mm-hmm. heard about it, mm-hmm. does that make you cringe a little bit? Uh, yeah. I, I one, one night I sat uh, at a bar and I watched <laughs> This must be the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this, I know exactly <laughs> which thing he's talking about. Now, I don't know how he recounts my response to it. I, my my response was I not immediate. I would love for you to share me. The, with, well, with yeah, me I'll, I'll just tell you what happened. Yeah. You know, it's really not a very exciting story, but but it it did bring up some questions for me. Uh, this this guy is drinking Pappy Twenty Three uh-huh. and Diet Coke. And Diet Coke. And he uh-huh. has and he has. God. I mean, I see this bartender buddy of mine pour at least three of them to the same guy. Same guy, uh-huh. right? And one hundred fifty a pour. Oh, I, I, well, Something this like, was earlier. Okay. This was probably, like probably three or four years ago. Okay. It was probably a $50, All right. $50, $60. Still a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, lot. For a Diet Coke drink? Yeah, dude, Psh. come on. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I got an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> My opinion is, Psh, come on, dude. What'd you uh, say to him? I, I, no, I said nothing to him. Okay. But, you know, I don't... You're, my buddy's working. Let I, them I'm be not, with their Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not my... Shtick. No, I would never jump in on gotcha. something like that. Uh, unless asked, you know, yes. you want to invite me in to the dance, <laughs> I'll dance. Yeah. Um, but no, and I don't even know if I saw, I think the guy was behind me or I just saw him making them. Right, right. And each time he made it, it just broke my heart. Uh-huh. And it's not because it's expensive. No, of course not. It's because it came from a now closed distillery. Right. So to it's me, it was this issue. Time. That's right. Yeah. There is this feeling I have that not... Oh, and this is, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, like, please. not everyone is worthy. <laughs> really? I love no, it. I mean, the, that's I, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but but it's such, it's at this point, there's so little of it They're left. They're not revering it at all. And yeah, yeah, if it's something that, you know, I, to, to me, um, I completely understand why mm-hmm. a bartender would say nothing about that and serve the person right. their drink. Right, right. No, I get that. Um, but also... 
I think ethically, mm-hmm. there's one there's one way of looking at the ethics where I think that bartender would be completely justified in slipping some Elijah Craig twelve in there instead. They would of, know the difference. That's my guess. Dude, that's, that's the my wonderful. Guess. This is the wonderful thing. We last year, you know, we had kind of a private whiskey tasting and went through the Buffalo Trace stuff, mm-hmm. the Pappy stuff, and it wasn't really to showookcase the Pappy stuff, the 12, mm-hmm. 15, 20. Uh, I didn't bring my twenty three because it's a little bit <laughs> a little bit difficult to get, but. Mm-hmm. It's about realizing that whiskey is a smoke and mirrors game like anything it can else. can be. Now, yeah. especially. Yeah. You know. And there's, although, although there are some treats oh, in, yeah. that, in that lineup. Oh, dude. I'm not sure. saying that yeah, 12. Yeah. And I know you love the 107, the the 10 years, the one you really liked, right? Uh, that's a, especially when or, you can get yeah. it for 45. For $45? Yeah. Hard to beat. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's great whiskey. But and it, I think also I got. I got a hold of a Stitzel Weller bottle of that oh, wow. back in Kentucky, and I didn't realize what I had. Uh-huh. And so my view of that whiskey got a little skewed. Gotcha. Now it's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. Yeah. It's good. I would never pay more than yeah, it's MSRP man. for it. It's, yeah, it's really expensive now. But that's how I feel about Pappies in general. Yeah, but that's the thing, too, is that there's lots of great stuff. I mean, honestly, that Wild Turkey 101 bourbon, mm-hmm. if you... Even wild turkey, if you didn't water it down and neat mm-hmm. pour, you mm-hmm. can't tell. Mm-mm. You can't tell that it's not of the same age or the same quality. And that's the thing with bourbon, man, is that people just, they get this, they get so affixed to their perspective on something. Yeah. And it's actually very telling about this, is, and this is not a larger conversation, but it's very telling and representative of the political climate as well yes. in America. Like, if people believe what they want to believe, and mm-hmm. they heard it once. Thus, it must be true. Mm-hmm. Pappy's the best. Okay, well, why is it? The best? Well, and and the you know, and, you know uh, I think going going back to to where this conversation started, and you know, people caring, not caring. Why right. do we care so much? Um, and, and it touches on this. These are people who are going to buy maybe four bottles of whiskey this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're going to buy one for sipping, uh-huh. and they're going to buy three to eight for mm-hmm. mixing. Gotcha. You right, know, right, right. and they just they just need a go to that maybe they like with soda, but they'll say they like on the rocks. Yeah, they're not like us where they are. They're going to drink a lot, a lot of whiskeys, and they're going to try a lot of these things. Right. They they're going to get one chance. Yeah. And so, something like Pappy becomes a sure thing. Absolutely. You, you don't have to take. You, That's you know, you're it's going to right. They're, they're, it starts getting this cachet that you know, like, oh god, this is going to put me back three hundred. Right, but at least but it'll I know be it's good. okay. Yeah, yeah, it's and, at least okay. And also now you can take part in the conversation. Yeah, okay. Of course, you yeah. see lots of people taking pleasure in saying that Pappy isn't as good as people say it is. Right, the doubters. You, yeah, no, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a pastime right yeah, now in whiskey circles. You know, sure. and, and I get it. Yeah, but also you got to taste it before you can do that. That's before a you can point. play that game. Yeah, uh, you know, be a part of that. You conversation. can't talk shit until you've yeah. been in the shit. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we're fortunate that we've uh, we've probably gotten to to taste more than we've had to buy. Yeah, you know, or, so. or finding bars where you can get a pour of it instead of buying a whole bottle. Right, right. We, we we live and we travel to cities where those things are possible. Yeah, there are people who live in cities where those things are absolutely. You're, you're totally not right, possible. and this is a, a nice perspective. If they're for ever going to taste it, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> it is just it's that white whale to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. at least a white whale in retail. Jesus. Oh boy. Yeah, but yeah. there's such other great stuff. You know, I want to mention that the Old Forester birthday bourbon for this year is spectacular. Yeah. I cannot wait to try the Four Roses Small Small Batch Limited Edition mm. 2015. Their stuff is always so it's good. It's always really good. The Single Barrel 2015. Yeah. Some great stuff coming out. But the one well, they're not doing note, single barrels anymore. 
they're not doing the 2015 Mm-mm. was 14 the last year mm-hmm. oh i'm glad I, yeah I, no no that's actually i've seen is the label out? yeah i've oh. seen the label for it okay i think this year's maybe the last it's the year. last one then yeah i think this is the last one but because it's already, i think their their barrel program is just like their store barrel program yeah. is just exploding gotcha and, they can't keep up yeah, with it they yeah what's gotta I mean, make what's their the, choices it's such a good a treat and a, yeah. a one-time thing that they're just trying to i think give something nice to their their really loyal yeah, customers that's yeah. what that is but it's well, not really so cost yeah it's not not about the money no, that doesn't you know? change their business right yeah, their money sure. is that is that yellow label. you're totally right it doesn't change it it doesn't change it at yeah. all and there's another one coming out i'm really keeping my eyes out it should be out here anytime and i'm i'm trying to get a bottle mm-hmm. but there are these 375s of stitzel weller juice right the johnny the fitzgerald, john fitzgerald. yeah and i've i've heard good things about it i have too boy they know. come dear they are 300 dollars retail for a 375 and resale is a about a gray market, eight hundred to a thousand bucks. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Trying to find one for roughly retail. We'll we'll see. Yeah. But uh, this should hit next week. But anyway, so that's kind of a brief. Yeah. Nerding out about bourbon <laughs> while while you're here, right? But right. let's take a, a moment to talk about the bottle that you you chose oh, yes. here. And yes. this is a absolutely total contrast. Mm. You picked the Arakenio Anbaro from Vago. This is the second Vago bottle that we had. The first being. The Tepestate Sierra Negro mm. Sierra Negro blend, which I, which is one of the finest, fantastic ever, fantastic. Committed. And this Arakenio on Barrel, which I had to, <laughs> for those of you who can't see, I had to switch Hank out to another bottle of Arakenio <laughs> so he wouldn't drink it all because this is my single handedly my favorite bottle of mezcal. No, I feel made. I feel honored that you even let me dip into oh, it. Oh my, it's my pleasure, man. But this is a Tio Ray construction, right? This is yep. in clay. Yeah, it was Hand-mashed. actually aged in clay and distilled in clay, mm-hmm. right? Or because Umbaro no, is, I, th- I think, just distilled in clay. Uh, he okay. has he, he has wooden. Yeah, I I did get once. I think it was a Mexicano from him, uh-huh. where they had more uh, mash, more uh, whatever you call the the fibers. Yeah, than right. they could fit into their wooden ones, and so they did age it. Oh, that cool. little piece. Yeah. in clay. So I I do have a bottle that's clay. Uncantara. That's what they call it. Uncantara, right? Well, I think that's after the fact. Oh, I think that's when you I let see. it rest in clay containers. The distill it in clay. But you're talking exactly. about the actual fermentation resting Bingo. in clay. Oh, yeah, wow. fermented in clay and then distilled in clay. Interesting. And it's good. I don't yeah. know if it's that different. I'm not sure you know, if it makes a big TRA difference. Ray makes good juice. Yeah, dude, that's all that <laughs> it matters. It tastes great. <laughs> and this is the single-handed best mezcal I've ever tasted from clay. It is. E- it is easily. spectacular. It is, there's nothing better than this. Yeah. And uh, we're at about half a bottle, and I'm certainly going to start put a bag on top of it now, <laughs> so no one can grab it. But but I think it, I think it is worth just saying, like you know, we're looking at completely the opposite of the kind of obfuscation we were talking about before. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, this label t- says everything about it: how much of it was made, how it was made, when right. it was made, who made it, where it was made, what it's made of. Yeah. And the other thing I think that's really amazing about uh, what we're getting out of Mexico, you know, mm-hmm. the, these uh, uh, beautiful mezcalas is, you know, this is a production batch of 300 liters. Right. It's nothing, man. So, and this bottle, I mean, I think I got mine for $85. It's about, yeah. Right. Get it's it. not, it's not cheap, no. but when you think about the other things that are in that price range, yeah. you're talking about lots more production. Absolutely. It's coming from distillation runs of thousands yeah. oh, right. of liters. Yeah. You can right, get a, a couple day. bottles. Yeah. This you'd be lucky if you even came to your market. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, no, I don't know how hard you had to work, but I did. my, oh, man, my bottle I came, came, I had to, I, I, I had heard, to bug somebody. I heard it. about that. That's another bottle, too, that I've got coming that we'll have to share, too, the uh, Sierra, Del, uh, Sierra Del Tigre, that Ooh. Ricia. 
Venenosa. Um, yeah. So, but to, to briefly talk. But Ooh, so all of this spirits knowledge obviously bubbled up. The affinity towards bourbon, the affinity towards mezcal, mm. it secured you as a an expert in this industry, a very outspoken and opinionated guy. But it's always been a source of inspiration for me. It's not. I, I don't. I don't see you as being a, a dick. Right. Well, thanks. A, lot, a lot of people are like, man, fucking Hank's had something to say about everything. No, you, you've got good things to say. You're a dramatic guy, but not in like a, in a Seattle emotional way. <laughs> you, you emphasize the right point. So how did this opportunity with Whistlepig then come about? Was it, was it Very knowing much, that you're that guy? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's, um, uh, I'm good friends with the guys at, at with the tipsy mm-hmm. Texans. Dave, yeah. And, um, Whistlepig wanted someone just part time, mm-hmm. you know, around this area, um, to do some staff trainings, you know, to, right. you know, Texas is a big state. Stimulate the, the, the guy for Texas is busy, right? <laughs> yeah, you uh, could you could you could run a company alone, sustain yeah. one just from oh, the Texas abso- market. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he approached Tipsy Texan. Mm-hmm. They they just you know they didn't have the bandwidth for right. for for it at the time uh sort of in a in a bigger way they're doing a, a piece of it right um and they they said that he should talk to me and so we all got together and there it went it worked out yeah how do you like traveling talking about booze and learning about booze well i don't really travel like the whistle pig thing doesn't really because you went to the travel. farm though right i did get to visit yeah. the farm. maybe that's what that I'm was awesome yeah. yeah that yeah. was great well, but so most, we, most of my travel is is for Thinkwell. Yeah, I uh, see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, my my whistle pig thing is Texas, is, though, right? Well, it's bit. it's mainly Austin. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that's really where we focus. How does it feel being the guy that people can look to as being an expert on one of the 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 people at the forefront of whiskey in Texas? And now you're with Whistle Pig, so you have even more validity because you're working with the brand. I mean, how does that I feel wonder if that's that more validity or less validity. I it's don't hard know, to say, you know? man. The purists or not. But, but but I but I do I I I do think that part of what works for me for that gig is that people people do know me as a I don't just drink one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if if I'm drinking it, it's because I've drunk a few things and I like this. You would lo- um, you love it. I you yeah. love them all yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. In, yeah. a, in a sense, no. I think it's a really amazing project. You're polyamorous, indeed. <laughs> to bourbons. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm sorry. Not, whiskeys in general. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not an ore guy. Yeah. You know, to me, like it's. It depends on what night. What. Right. You know, if you're making a drink, if not to say I don't have some favorites. Yeah. But I have favorites. <laughs> you know, there's there's a line above which everything yeah. above that line is my favorite. Are there any bottles you wouldn't share? Or are there any any bottles that you wouldn't share with me if I came over? There are some bottles that are not open. Ah, Anything that's open, you'd share it. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, but there is a bottle of I do have a bottle of seventies uh, gold vein uh, Weller Antique. Oh the my 107, gosh, really? That I haven't opened yet, and it's oh, sort wow. of the I'm holding on to it. I know that the whiskey is beautiful. I've tasted yeah. stuff from that era. Um, what kind? What kind of a case? What kind of occasion would would call for that to open that bottle? What do you what do you think mm. might be the best time? Because, as Michael Sanders puts it, there could be an earthquake at any time. Amen. Well, and I had a break in in my house, and the guy only stole uh, closed bottles. Oh, right? Yeah. He took he took a bottle of twelve uh, year Stutzelweller juice just because it was closed. Oh, he also took a bottle of Barbancourt eight year because it was in a gift box. Really? Yeah. The, it's not it's not 
So anyway, yeah. point being, if I had opened that bottle and had a sip from it, I would, would still have, have it. it. Yeah. As it is, I never tasted it. Jeez. It's the only thing you got. That one, my electric toothbrush. That's all right, though. creepy. It is kind of. No, but it's creepy. Yeah. Why did he want my electric toothbrush? <laughs> that makes me think he's a government agent. Or an ex-girlfriend. And they're developing clones. <laughs> uh, they could, they, you know, there's lots of other things that can take little you maybe used razors although we're talking to people here with beards that uh maybe not the most use yeah Toothbrush I, I think could it work but oh yeah i think it was just convenient yeah. plus it vibrates he probably liked that ah uh. it's fun <laughs> a little something fun well it's good so if there's an open bottle i'm i'm free to it well i'm, I'm a, yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of this idea when you're one, one of the benefits i hear people talking about oh i'm, I'm saving this bottle for this occasion mm-hmm. um that makes sense with perishables like wine or beer. Yeah. With whiskey, I would like to promote once again the power of and. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you can open it, drink it, mm-hmm. and save it. Yeah. Right? That's a great point. You know, uh-huh. like the fact that you poured two ounces of it out of the neck actually is going to make it drink better. Yeah. When that special point. occasion comes. Absolutely. You're, you're sort of prepping it for that moment. Yeah. God damn. Um, so you're you're basically just encouraging every single person, including myself, yeah. to open those unopened bottles. Open those bottles. So your Weller 107 from the 70s is, in fact, open. You just don't drink it very much? Or no, it is not, not open. It is not open. Well, uh, Hank, well, no, come I, on. And, and, and I do have bottles that are... I. So I just did a... I just moved. Uh-huh. I just packed. Right. I own over 500 bottles. God damn, are you kidding me? No. So, Where do you So store this them? is the thing. Like, I can only have so... I only have space for so many open bottles. Or showcase bottles, right? Or, or, or just open. Yeah. Just just space for bottles that are open. Gotcha. Okay. The rest of them end up in case boxes. Yeah, yeah. You know, tucked away in the back of a closet or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when it's when there's a little more right space, let's go digging through the boxes and see <laughs> yeah. what we want to do. Um, so part of it is just, I can't... I just can't have everything open at once. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't have space. I just don't have space, man. And I yeah. thought that I've ex- occupied a lot of space on my shelf up there, but five hundred bottles, I can't. Lots. Even. And now That's the five hundred bottles is split. You know, I also have a pretty extensive, uh, like cocktail setup. Right. You know, so right. it's not all just. It's not all like really special bottles. Yeah, you got a lot rum of it's and just, stuff. Yeah, too, like all yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, I've got lots of fifteen dollar bottles of rum oh, yeah. in that five hundred. It's a uh, very good thing to have. Oh, I can't yeah. even imagine the mezcal in there. It's pretty good, yeah. but it's, it's, um, no, nah, it's pretty good. That's a lot. <laughs> so I think about this, this last piece and uh, are we ever going to see you behind the bar regularly? Well, I don't know. Uh, it's not something, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a trained bartender. Right. Uh, uh, but it, sometimes it doesn't matter though. Oh, now I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I'm saying sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, uh, a savant's a savant, Hank. <laughs> may, maybe. I, uh, I don't think I'm a savant, though. I don't, no. uh, I've had, you know, I've had some time. I, I do these events for Fusebox Festival, right, right. and, and that's, that's given me, uh, and really like that's been, it's, it's that thing that really sort of started changing how people thought of me with regard to expertise and stuff. Uh-huh. Because I started asking them to be part of projects. And, yeah. And so just got to know a lot more people and that's have great. more conversation. Yeah, because you are. You so are, that's that's really more of the the way that that, that you want, you'd like that to that do. happened with this uh, community. Mm-hmm. Sort of my segue in to when it, when it was roughly that the Fusebox Festival six years ago is when so it six started. Six years strong. Yeah. I mean, I always well no the festival's been going on longer when but when your the series yeah yeah, yeah yeah and I I know that at that point too that that I would always equate you to a mezcal guy who really understood that stuff. I learned a lot from you about that too. 
uh, bourbon as well. I mean, you you still remain. You're kind of like my professor, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll go to you. I don't know, question. man. You know, you, you, I, I know some stuff, but but yeah, you know some stuff. It's only because I've I've been pushed, encouraged to explore my major in bourbon and mezcal. You know, I don't know. I think you're an eager student. Maybe so. I don't think you've been pushed that hard. I maybe not. I think you've been glad. I, I don't. I don't see you uh, cracking the books with a grimace. <laughs> No, uh, I like uncovering a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, it turns out, yeah. But the hey, great thing is studying is drinking. You know, yeah, so it's, oh, yeah, absolutely. That makes it's, it's the easiest. Like, I can't learn more about this mezcal unless I drink it. No, either you know, there's no, no way. So, well, I I hope that you continue to be a really outspoken expert in this field in Austin. Man, the, the creativity and all of that. I think you embrace a lot of great aspects about the industry, but a lot of great aspects about Austin. But I I think the last thing I want to say is that in some sense. I haven't seen you get into a fight, but if you got in more fights, <laughs> to me, you could be Ernest Hemingway's incarnate. So that's not a bad thing. Uh, Just don't go down the other path, going to Key West, yeah, shooting yourself all that. Yeah, no, I think uh, Papa had it rough. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking for an easier life. It's a semi-charmed but, life for, for oh, Hemingway. Oh, no, it was awesome. Yeah. No, no, I, Papa lived his life. Yeah. I, you know, I can't, but but I don't think I don't think that's for me. Well, I'm not gonna run with the bulls. Like I might, <laughs> I might sit down with the bulls and right, have a drink, hang out, smoke yeah, a cigarette, yeah, yeah. But, but not in the bulls. No, nah, not interested. Nah, nah. It's in a lot of running. Them. Yeah, that's true. And plus, maybe gouging. There's a lot of. Gouging. I'm not into gouging. Dude, at least a dude dies yeah, a year. A at dude. least, yeah, at least. And I am not gonna be the fastest dude. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah, the odds you might be good that for guy. me. Yeah. Well, Hank, thanks so much for chatting with me, man. Good to be here. Thank you. Well, there you have it. What'd you guys think? Hank is an amazingly nice guy. I thought we were going to get embroiled in a lot of arguments and perhaps some disagreements, but honestly, he's full of love, he's full of knowledge, and he's full of a lust for life. It was great chatting with him, and I cannot wait to see what he does next with the whistle pig bit. I also can't wait to see what I learn next from Hank, because there's always something the guy's always thinking. And I bet you, Hank will keep dancing. 